0: You're about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. Hello, enigmatic listeners. We're dark next week, but we'll be back with another episode of Straight Up Enigmas on September 29th. Don't forget to submit your scary true story for our 13 Nights of Halloween series at our website, straightupenigmas.home.blog. With that, let's dive right in to today's terrifying tale. 16-year-old high school student, Jeanette De Palma told her mom she was going out to visit a friend, but when she didn't come home that night, her worried mother called the police. They discovered she had never made it to her friend's house. Six weeks later, a dog walking in woods near Jeanette's home in Springfield, New Jersey, ran back to its owner with a badly decomposed arm. The grisly find led to police discovering the teenager's body nearby and a mystery involving rumors of witchcraft and satanic rituals, which remains unsolved to this day. Jeanette's body was found on a ridge known as the Devil's Teeth, and local witnesses said it was surrounded by a series of strange occult objects, with the remains of dead animals hanging from nearby trees. Whispers of black magic and satanic cults ran wild, and some locals blamed a coven of teenage witches who had vowed to abduct and kill a child. Can Jeanette De Palma's death really be attributed to an evil power lurking in the quiet neighborhoods of suburban New Jersey in the 1970s? Or did rumors and panic distort the facts and sensationalize the crime? Stay with us as we discuss the sinister, unsolved murder of Jeanette De Palma. I'm Jaden McKell, and you're listening to Straight Up Enigmas. listeners thanks for joining us if you enjoy the show please head over to apple music hit the subscribe button and leave a review it really helps out our podcast connect with us on social media where we post each episode as it airs we're proud to be a member of the straight up strange network i'll include a link to the network's facebook page in the show notes If you'd like to support our podcast, please check us out at patreon.com slash straightupenigmas to receive bonus content, shoutouts on social media, personalized messages from me, and early access to our regularly scheduled episodes. Without further ado, let's get back to the show. 16 year old Jeanette De Palma was known around town as a religious girl who was active in her church, but also a little bit of a wild girl, according to Weird NJ magazine. She lived in Springfield, New Jersey, and worked at Sealfin's, a clothing store in Summit. On Monday, August 7th 1972, Four days after her 16th birthday, Jeanette left her house after telling her mother she was going to hitchhike and take the train to a friend's house before her afternoon shift at work. She never made it to her friend's house and she never returned home. When Jeanette was still missing late into the night, her parents filed a missing person report with the local police department. Six weeks passed before the body of Jeanette De Palma was found on September 19, 1972, when a local dog brought back the girl's decomposing arm to its owner. A search party led to the discovery of the rest of her body, which was found at the top of a towering rock formation known to the locals as the Devil's Teeth. The cliff was so steep and so difficult to reach that a fire truck with an aerial ladder was used to receive her body. One of Jeanette's friends said that Jeanette did her hair and her nails and went to the mall. She was not an outdoorsy girl. Donald Schwert, the police officer who found Jeanette's body said, Somebody had to be with her because she had flip-flops, and I had hiking boots on, and I had trouble getting up that little hill up to where she was laying. For a girl in flip-flops who wasn't a fan of the outdoors, it would have been almost impossible for her to have climbed the cliff alone. Was she carried over someone's shoulder maybe? Although descriptions of the murder scene are varied, the most consistent detail was that the body was placed on a kind of makeshift altar with several wooden crosses and cult-related symbols around it. I was able to find an illustration of the crime scene, and I'll post a link to the picture on our website, but I have to say, it's a chilling image. The way that Jeanette's body is positioned, she's lying face down, with her forehead resting on her left forearm, inside a coffin-shaped structure made from fallen branches and logs. She's surrounded by crosses and other strange objects that, in the illustration, just look like five rocks surrounding her head in a half circle. The medical examiner's report actually describes only a, quote, rock formation surrounding the body. The De Palma family suggested to reporters that Jeanette could have been targeted by Satanists or modern-day witches due to her activity within her church. However, Jeanette's parish of choice, an evangelical center located in the urban city of Elizabeth, quickly distanced themselves from Jeanette, strangely denying any significant involvement in her life. Authorities rejected any suggestion of occult activity and thought that Jeanette had probably overdosed while partying in the woods with her friends. Her body was so decomposed, in fact, that an autopsy could not be performed. X-rays of her skull were taken, though, and there was no evidence of fractures, bullet holes, or traumatic injuries. The cause of death has never been determined. Samples of Jeanette's clothing were packed up and sent to the federal government for further analysis. The FBI Crime Lab report on January 3, 1973, states that officials tested Jeanette's clothing, including her blouse, slacks, and underwear, as well as the soil from the scene, and compared them with hairs collected from her dresser drawer and on her body. The FBI's microscopic and chemical analysis found that there were no apparent foreign hairs found among Jeanette's clothing. The lab workers didn't find drugs or poison in any of the samples. There were, however, stains found in her underwear bra, blouse, and slacks that were too decomposed for conclusive blood and semen examinations. There was also a high amount of lead in Jeanette's body, but this could simply be due to the fact that lead was once a common ingredient in paint. Lead can build up in the blood, brain, and bones over time by breathing or swallowing lead dust. weeks after Jeanette's body was found, local papers published articles, quote, confirming her death was due to witchcraft, citing local evangelist and family friend Reverend James Tate. His son, Wayne Tate, had actually dated Jeanette until a week or two before her disappearance. Rumors about the case set off a panic in several Union County communities, Which were still recovering from the shock of the John List murders, which had occurred only 10 months before. John List was a mass murderer who had killed his wife, mother, and three children at their home in Westfield, New Jersey, then disappeared. Jeanette's death occurred also just three years after the infamous Manson family murders. The nation was in a period marked by a paranoia of Satanism and witchcraft. Newspaper accounts and interviews did reveal that there were self-professed witches and warlocks in New Jersey at the time. An Associated Press article published on Halloween in 1972 interviewed a woman named Lilith Sinclair who founded her own grotto, or group of Satanists, as an offshoot of the San Francisco-based Church of Satan. Sinclair's grotto had more than 30 members in a neighboring county. Early in the investigation, the police received an anonymous tip that a homeless man called Red had been living at a campsite in the woods and fled after Jeanette went missing. While this seemed to be a promising lead, the Union County Prosecutor's Office eventually decided Red had nothing to do with Jeanette's murder. Police even brought a witch to the site to inspect it for signs of the occult. But despite all the attention and resources devoted to her death, authorities were never able to solve the mystery. No arrests were ever made. We'll be back right after this. Thank you to our sponsor, Best Fiends, for helping make this episode possible. Best Fiends is a 5-star rated mobile puzzle game with over 100 million downloads. It's so much fun exploring the world of Minutia with its cute and courageous inhabitants, collecting best fiends, leveling them up, discovering their special powers, and battling the slugs of Mount Boom. I also really enjoy it because it's the perfect break from my true crime research. It still really challenges my brain because it's a puzzle game, and you know how I love solving puzzles but it's a casual game, so it doesn't stress me out, which is perfect these days. Best Fiends has thousands of fun levels, special missions, and tons of super adorable characters to collect. They've created a whole world right on my phone. It's bright and colorful with great graphics, and there's a story behind each cute character. Bieber wears these charming little glasses and loves movies and gaming just like me. I also love using his X-Bomb power. There are new in-game challenges and events every month, so the game always feels fresh, so you'll never be bored. You can even play the game without using Wi-Fi. No bandwidth, no problem. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must play download best fiends free on the apple app store or google play that's friends without the r best fiends hey everyone i'm andre and i'm mariah and we're the hosts of pretty nice the weekly podcast where we talk anything and everything like horoscopes why rain is the worst our favorite broadway musicals the best songs of all time embarrassing facebook photos elevator etiquette breakfast revolutions and a whole bunch of other nonsense if you love a podcast that feels like you're kicking back with your BFFs or just hanging out and chatting with friends Pretty Nice is for you you can check us out on Apple Podcasts Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts Buzzsprout or your preferred podcatcher we're also online at prettynicepodcast.com on Instagram at prettynicepodcast Twitter at prettynicepod and Facebook at prettynicepodcast bye bye With no more leads, the police closed the case until the late 1990s when Mark Moran from the magazine Weird NJ decided to take a look. The different versions of the Jeanette De Palma story that they heard either blamed a coven of witches or a local group of Satanists for Jeanette's death. The strange thing they discovered in their investigation of the case was that After 30 years, most people who remembered the crime were still too scared to speak about it. Everyone they questioned about the murder seemed to remember the same gruesome details, but nobody wanted to go on record or have their name published in the article, including the Springfield Police Department. Moran also found the police had lost or destroyed most of the files. After the publication of that article, Moran's team would receive several leads in the case. Some were contradictory, some were cryptic, and others were downright spooky. Most of the leads were delivered to them in the mail in plain white envelopes without any return address. Some of the letters were typed, others were handwritten. All were anonymous. Some were from residents who still lived in the area where the murder happened, while others came from people who had moved away years ago but still remembered the case with horror. One wrote, I was a young teenager when the discovery of Jeanette De Palma happened and lived in the next town. About two years prior, there was much talk in my school about a cult in the surrounding area. They were known as the witches. They must have let it be known in the area that they planned to kill a child on or about Halloween, either by kidnapping and sacrificing them, or by poison. I remember being anxious about this because I went trick-or-treating in those days. Another letter from the relative of a local policeman read, When the dog brought the arm home and the search for the body started, they found arrows carved in the trees that would lead you to the body. All around her body there were dead animals tied to trees with string and some in jars. Shortly thereafter, There were reports of animals being mutilated and hung in the same fashion in the Wachung Reservation, which is also very close to the scene of the crime. The Wachung Reservation, or the Res, has been reported to be the center of devil worship activity for years. Newspapers at the time did report a number of sacrifices involving dead animals around the Wachung Reservation, which was less than two miles away from where Jeanette was found. In the park around the same time, Union County Park Police had found, quote, burning candles, a bowl of blood, and feathers and pigeons with their necks snapped. Some believe that Jeanette's death was the work of a serial killer, who struck again in 1974 in Montvale, New Jersey, where the bodies of two young girls were found in the woods. They had been beaten, sexually assaulted, and strangled. Their killer was never found, but many have dismissed this theory as there was no suggestion of a sexual assault on Jeanette. So much time has passed since Jeanette's death, it seems the mystery may never be solved. There was a new development, however, in the case just last year. Ed Salzano, a retired private investigator, was only 10 when Jeanette died. He remembers his parents keeping him home from trick-or-treating in his Maplewood neighborhood that fall. Even though he never knew Jeanette, he's now one of her biggest advocates. He questions a lot about her case. For one thing, he doubts the narrative of the arm and the dog, and instead said he thinks someone could have placed the arm near the apartments to have Jeanette's body located. Salzano filed a lawsuit in June of 2019, asking a Superior Court judge to compel the County Prosecutor's Office to do DNA testing on the clothes in which Jeanette was found. He filed the lawsuit as a last-ditch effort to get something going on the cold case, after he spent six years researching the case and became frustrated with the Union County Prosecutor's office. Salzano's interest in the case was rekindled when he moved near the reservation in Springfield. He started working with Jeanette's nephew, John Bancy, and they started Justice for Jeanette to bring awareness to the case. An FBI laboratory report that Bancy left Salzano when he died detailed the clothing recovered from Jeanette's body. It said stains were found on some of the clothing, but they were too badly decomposed to test for bodily fluids. Salzano hoped that with today's improved DNA testing technology, it might be possible to get a DNA profile from the clothing. He does wonder, though, whether the clothes still exist. Authorities told the authors of Death on the Devil's Teeth, the 2015 book on Jeanette's death, that at least some of the evidence was destroyed in a flood in 1995. Salzano said he and Bancy have never been able to get information about the case from the prosecutor's office via public records request, and he hoped the lawsuit would get some answers. But on September 9th of last year, Superior Court Judge Karen Cassidy dismissed the lawsuit, ruling that Salzano has no standing to bring the lawsuit because he has no legal relationship to Jeanette, her estate, or anyone else who may have a stake in the outcome of the case. The judge also ruled that the lawsuit has no legal basis to compel the prosecutor's office to take action because, under state law, the office has broad discretion on how to investigate crimes. In his legal papers asking the prosecutor's office to test her clothes, Salzano said, Jeanette has no voice. Now, no one to stick up for her. Now that almost half a century has passed since Jeanette's death, we may never know what really happened to her. Was Jeanette sacrificed as part of a witch rite? Was she murdered by a serial killer? Did she die of a drug overdose? It's so sad to think that Jeanette really has no voice and no one to stick up for her. Maybe if we can keep her story alive, someone will come forward and say something about the case. Anyone with information is urged to contact Lieutenant Jose Vendez at 905 358 3048. What do you think? What happened to Jeanette? Find us on Instagram at StraightUpEnigmas Enigmas or Twitter at StraightEnigmas, and let us know. You can also contact us through email at straightupenigmas at gmail.com or through our website, straightupenigmas.home.blog. If you like the show, please remember to hop onto Apple Music to give us a five-star rating. It really helps the podcast. This episode was written and produced by me, Jaden McKell. It was edited by Austin Blackwell. The theme song, Straight Up Enigmas, was created by Chuck Flyer. I leaned on a lot of great sources for this case, so be sure to take a look at the links in our show notes. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you on September 29th for the next episode of Straight Up Enigmas.